This podcast is the ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in Rosemont, Georgia. For more information, visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Three years. Uh, he's now our pastor emeritus. I've asked him to preach for us this morning, so I'm going to pray for him, then we'll turn it over to you. Please. Father, we thank you for this time of study. We pray, Lord, right now specifically for Max. As he preaches, Lord, I pray that he would bring us the word of truth. It would be rightly divided, Father. Then I pray that we would take what we've learned as we focus on you, Lord, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, apply it to our lives. And leave here, Father, transform, change more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. And good morning. Uh, you are, I have missed you. Uh, we, we come to 8.30 service or 9.30 service or 11 o'clock service, so we miss you for some time. Um, I, uh, I, I sincerely miss you and uh, uh, preaching uh, to you every week, uh, but I... I knew that it was just time because of God's leading uh, to bring a breath of freshness. And, and I'm looking forward to, those, uh, uh, to the uh, new series Sunday, next Sunday. So you be sure to be, uh, be present. Uh, happy uh, Labor Day to you. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good day for you, I hope. I, uh, I have people even now, after uh, a year and three months away as, as pastor, uh, they still ask me, uh, do you enjoy retirement? And I say, I highly recommend it. Uh, we are having the time of our lives. I think I waited 10 years too late, but, uh, but it's not, not too late, uh, I could have been uh, retired 10 years before, but uh, that's, what, that's all and wonderful. I've been blessed immensely. Uh, I've got some forces working against me and against you, and that's the price of gasoline and the price of groceries. Our groceries were uh, skyrocketing, you know, in a lot of aspects. And uh, I told Marion the other day, she may have to go to work. I doubt that very seriously, <laughs> but I'm delighted to be here. This is a, this is a treat for me. I, uh, I've been doing some things, uh, uh, helping in a, a church that, uh, that needs some help. I still stay attached here, and we, uh, I'll come to the 930 service, and so at 1030 or as soon as we get through, I head for the parking lot to go out to... Uh, a little church and work with the pastor there. I got sold the Macedonian call and I uh, tried to answer that and support him. Uh, but this morning I want to, uh, to talk to you about uh, a four-letter word, work, W-O-R-K. And you are uh, a work and Labor Day and for all of the Maybe the blessings that we have there. I hope we'll do some thinking about that. Uh, I, I guess I'd ask you the question. Do you really like your job? 
Uh, how many of you uh, look forward to going to work on Monday and seeing the people there and, and uh, seeing your boss? You hadn't seen him all weekend, her all weekend. And um, how many of you miss the fellow, fellow employees? Uh, you know, uh, if, you, if you could say, yes, I, I miss my work. I miss my, the people I work with. If, if you can say that, you're probably in a very small group of people, probably about 35% of the people in the United States of America uh, say that they enjoy their job and love their job and love the people they work with. 65% of those surveyed in America say that they are unhappy with their job or unhappy with the surroundings and unhappy with what they're uh, they are doing, and years ago, Tennessee Ernie Ford said it this way, you load 16 tons, and what do you get? Another day over and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you come? He goes, I can't go. Oh, my soul to the company store. And Lord, that's, that, that's what life means to a lot of people. But this morning, I, I would love to uh, maybe put on some different glasses and look at that just a little bit different uh, there. I, if we understand uh, who we are, why we are doing what we are doing, it might make uh, quite a difference in uh, the uh, energies that you put forth in the uh, getting up on Mondays and, and the other day of the week you go to work and might make just a completely different place. Will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would prepare the hearts of each and every one of your person to not, not miss, a, miss a thing that you would have them to hear. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Uh, one, I think one of the problems in America, in, in the church and in America in general, is the fact that we still try to separate, and we do separate. We, we have the secular world in which people live. We have the sacred world in which uh, the people live. And uh, it, it's, in our mind, it's either secular or it's sacred. And uh, we, we spend the best hours of our waking day in the secular realm. I'm mean, working, laboring, whatever our job might be. And, and we extend our greatest energies and then... And we say, well, we really would like to serve God, but we work in the secular world so much that, that uh, we just don't have a whole lot left. And, and we, we give him in our mind a few hours on Sunday morning. Uh, and you see, that's Old Testament, so to speak. Because in the Old Testament, there was uh, the... Uh, uh, the uh, priests and the and the temple and the 
And, and, and it was completely separate. It was a completely different uh, environment in which people lived. And then there was everybody else. Everything else was outside the priests and the temples and so forth. And, and if you wanted to know anything spiritual and sacred, you, you went to the priest. But that's not New Testament. In, in the New Testament, the middle wall of petition was brought, brought down because Jesus assigned us the responsibility of being temples. Uh, when he, if in fact he has uh, knocked upon our spiritual door and he, we have invited him in and he is in fact our Redeemer, our Savior. He has changed us. He has saved us. And by the shed blood on the cross of Calvary, we were redeemed. And Jesus said, I will come into your heart and I will, I will be there. And you will be my, you will be my body. You will be my hands, my eyes. You'll be my feet. You'll be my mouth. You, you will be my heartbeat for those people that you, you touch. And, And I'm thinking that we don't get a grip on that. That we are, we are the redeemed, but we're more than counted in a number of redeemed. We are possessed by the very Spirit of God, and He lives within our lives. Uh, the New Testament tells us that we can take God or we do take God wherever we go. I mean, you can't go without it. Listen, my people, think about this. He said that he would come into your life. You would become the very temple of God. Now, you can't shake him. You can't get rid of him. Uh, Yogi Berra, the, in him one day, the Yogiism said, you know, wherever I go, there I am. Well, Wherever you go, I got news for you. Wherever you go, if in fact you redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, there Jesus is also. And he does not mean for you to be working in two different realms of life. You are here. So, this morning, uh, the, taking Christ with you. Uh, but at the, at the same time, I want you to, one of the things that I, I would like for you to bear in your, your mind, I want you to try seeing every day your everyday work as a service for God. Try seeing your everyday work as a service for God. Now, do you realize that almost everything that we do affects someone else. We are the beneficiaries of some people's labors. We have food on our tables. Oh, we find it in the restaurant since we eat out so much now. You know, uh, we find food because some farmer grew it. We have or some cattleman produced, or some chicken farmer. But, but the point is, 
We're so interconnected with what we do and how it touches others. Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, spent 30 of his 33 years in the carpenter shop. Now, I know the translation there would say that the, uh, the farmer, I mean, the, the carpenter shop was really probably a stone cutting, but whatever, whatever Jesus did, if it was stone cutting, they, they needed that somewhere. Somebody needed it. What you are doing labor-wise, somebody needs it. I like to think of the Jesus in the carpenter shop, though. Maybe he's in the carpenter shop because people needed places to live. Still do. Think that uh, the carpenter shop, uh, the working with quality carpentry, he was making maybe a chairs that people sit in or tables they eat from or what, whatever. Whatever he was doing was needed by somebody and we were interconnected. But at the same time, when we think about our jobs, uh, it's, uh, th- there's a big responsibility attached to it. You and I have a big responsibility of doing good and the best or whatever we Whatever we do, you say, well, hold, hold on. Where do, you, where do you get all of this stuff? Uh, why are you talking to us about this on Labor Day? Uh, uh, what's your thinking? I, I have to go to work. Uh, what are you talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question because I want to, I want to show you a scripture. In Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, uh, if you're, you want to look there, I'll mark it down and so forth. But I want to show it to you here. Now, this is out of the message, uh, the uh, paraphrase and translation, part translation, part paraphrase. Uh, uh, this is spoke to what I, what I want to say about Labor Day. So I've used the message. It says, servants, respectfully obey the earthly master, your, your earthly masters, uh, but always with an eye of o- obeying the real master Christ. Uh, don't just do what you have to do to get by. Well, does that sound familiar sometimes? But work heartily as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you, you're really serving God. God's good work will uh, get you good pay from the master, regardless of whether you are slaves or free. Uh, If you don't mind, go back to the first verse only. we, we don't know much about servants there. That, that is really not a term in English that we in America. Uh, the, what he was really, he was addressing those people who were working. And many times they were working just for bread and water. But, but in this situation, let's, let's change that word servant right there and just superimpose the word that we would use. It would say workers. Respectfully obey your earthly masters, but always with an eye on obeying the real master Christ. 
Uh, Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's workers, doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be given the orders, you're really serving God. Good works will get you good pay from the master, regardless of whether you are workers or free. Or since you're workers. You know, I... um, I uh, I have, through my years, for those of you that do not know, I, I was called to bivocational work. I was called to bivocational ministry. And when this church was formed in 1967, I was already in the ministry, and it's been about seven years in ministry while I have an outside job. And all because God had called me and put that uh, a deep desire for ministry. You know, some people have written in their heart, you're going to be, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. Uh, mine was always, you're going to be in business, but you will share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I remember when I was uh, finishing college and I was having oral exams given to me by a board of professors, one of them said to me, how do you think, why do you think that you can be a pastor or a minister and work in the secular world? Uh, deep down, that infuriated me <laughs> because I knew the facts. And, and I said to him, uh, if Christ in the ministry won't work in business. It won't work anywhere else. And for the next 37 years, I devoted my life to try to live in business and industry what I preached from the pulpit and professed to believe. Now, uh, I, uh, I was approached two or three years ago, by a company that wanted me to be a chaplain in, in their company. And what they, they had a set, the president had a, has a set of values, core values that are, they are strictly biblical. And he wants... Uh, as he explains to me, he wants his company to operate on those strict Christian values in every one of their dealings, their dealings with their vendors, their dealings with their customer, and their dealings with their associates. I sized that up, and I asked the president of that company face-to-face, I said, if you want that kind of dynamics in your business, why don't you hire, why did you not hire a staff of people who were dedicated and devoted to Jesus? And his answer to me was, I thought I did. And then reality set in. 
I said, there's something wrong with this picture. That is the worst indictment that I have ever heard on the church and maybe on business environment. Because you see, the self-same people that are operating businesses are the self-same people that you find sitting in your congregations. I'm telling you, I'm feeling deeply and have felt for many years that we separate secular, spiritual. Monday morning, we turn secular, and we go into a dog-eat-dog world, and we do what we have to do to survive. And that, my people, is not Christ's way. And I would like to say to you, I'd like to ask you, if you just try seeing your everyday work as a service for God. Now, if you do that, it could take some real extraordinary efforts there, but you can. One says, you just don't know where I work. You say, you just don't know what kind of boss I have. Or you just don't know the kind of people I have to work with. You don't know the power struggles that go on in the business and the flirtations and the cursing. You just don't know the dirty stories that are told and you don't know the pornography that's scattered around. I do. Been there. Done that. That does not change one thing whatsoever. Now, workers... Obey your earthly masters with respect and, and fear and, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when, you're, when their eyes are on you, but like slaves or workers of Christ doing the will of God with your heart, from your heart. He said, even though your boss may be a two-legged monster, that does not change you whatsoever. That does not change your responsibilities whatsoever. Max, where are you coming up with all of this stuff? Well, let me tell you. I'm glad you asked. Let me ask you. Let me tell you again. I want to take you to an Old Testament story. It's amazing. I, I've, I've used it so many times, and I've fallen back on it so many times. I want to take you an Old Testament story of Daniel. If you want to turn, that's Daniel, the sixth chapter. But don't take it and read it right now. Just, just note it down. You can go and read what I'm going to tell you. Uh, Daniel was has been taught to all of us in our Sunday school classes, and we've known the name of Daniel in the lion's den for all of, our, all of our biblical stories. Daniel was taken away from Jerusalem uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. Now in Jerusalem, Daniel was surrounded by people who believed what he believed. I believed in the same God that he believed in. But now had Nebuchadnezzar had taken him and taken him into captivity, he was in a, listen carefully to these words, totally pagan environment. 
in Babylon. And as, as time passed, King Nebuchadnezzar appointed him to a, a governmental, as a governmental official. He recognized the brilliance that was there, and he, he, began, he became a governmental bureaucrat in a pagan land with a pagan uh, king. And how, how, ba- how bad could it get? <laughs> Put him into a government office, uh, and uh, if you want to get far away from God this day and time, you might even try to do that. Uh, uh, but as, as Daniel worked in the office, he worked in the government office, uh, sitting behind his government desk, doing all the duties of a government bureaucrat, but he was able to serve God, the scripture says. King Nebuchadnezzar res- respected Daniel's uh, respect for God, faithfulness to God. And as Daniel, as, and Daniel rose higher and higher in his government. But when King Nebuchadnezzar died, uh, the Babylonian uh, empire became uh, basically disintegrated uh, and uh, finally was conquered by King Darius. Uh, once again, Daniel, Daniel's outstanding abilities and qualities was recognized by King Darius, and he began to elevate him also. Made him one of the highest officials in the land. But there became pressures from within. And there King Darius put out a decree that said that no one or nothing should be worshipped in the next 90 days, I believe the scripture says, except the king himself, King Darius. But uh, Daniel... Hearing the instructions, but keeping his eyes upon God. Prayed three times a day, looking out his window toward Jerusalem. And he, everything was going okay until somebody ratted on him. And they told King Darius, you need to look into this. Daniel is praying three times a day. Uh, And he's not praying to you, King. Long story made short. King Darius took Daniel and said, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You are, even though you're a high official, you're going into the lion's den, just like the decree said. If you do not, if you break this, if you do not worship the king and you worship anything else, then you shall be fed to the lions. Took him, put him in the lion's den. If you read the story, you're going to find out that King Darius had a rock, a stone put up against the den, and he had a seal put on it, and with his own signet, he uh, put a seal so he couldn't get out. Nobody could get him out. So the next, he went home, and the scripture says that he had a terrible night. He couldn't sleep. 
You ever have one of those nights where you just roll and tumble and finally, instead of rolling and tumbling anymore, you just go ahead and get up. And that's what uh, Darius did. He just got up early in the morning and headed for the den because he, uh, you know the story. God shut the mouths of the lions and Daniel was unharmed. And the next morning, Darius comes rushing to the lion's den, expecting to find the mangled bones of Daniel. And listen to me as I read it to you. I don't believe I gave it to you on the screen, but that's all right. Just listen. 6th chapter, 20th verse. It says, When he came near the lion's den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, Has your God, whom you serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Isn't that interesting? No, that just thrills my heart. This this is the interesting thing about that. I know the miracle, but I I want you to listen. Daniel worked in a pagan environment. He worked in a pagan environment. Office. He worked for a pagan king, and yet the one thing that the pagan king knew about Daniel was that Daniel served God continually. Isn't that a testimony? Isn't that a testimony? There was no doubt in his mind whom he served. Uh, uh, I have to ask you, do, do your fellow workers know that about you? Mm. Uh, Have you seen yourself as a walking temple where God, Christ, power resides and his person resides? Do your fellow workers know that? Do they see that? Do they sense that? Do they hear that? And you don't even have to tell it. You just have to perform it. Have you been able to put God first in your work so that your fellow workers know that you're trying to serve God? I have a thousand stories. I have a thousand stories to tell you about people having conflict with their working. And so years ago, it used to be the thing to have revival services um, it, more than it is today. I didn't say revivals. I said revival services. And uh, I had I, I had one uh, operation I was looking after, and and all of a sudden, the sweetest guy uh, came to me and and said, my supervisor uh, said that I can't be off. Uh, Monday and Tuesday to go to revival. And I said, well, he must have had a, uh, a, a good reason. He said, well, the person that would replace me is in hospital. And he said that there was no way he could give permission. And he said, I think that is downright dirty, him not letting me go to a revival. And I said, Let, let's think about that just a little bit. I said, you're the only one that can do the job that you are doing. And here you are 
you're ready just to throw that to go and to sit in the revival services. I said, why don't you just do the Christian thing and do your job the best you can and pass it on to the next person, your fellow workers uh, appreciate that, uh, doing it the best you can, and tomorrow you can expect the blessings of God with somebody else doing the same thing for you. He said, you know, never thought about it that way. Went back to work. <laughs> we just have to be reminded once in a while. And sometimes they're bigger than that. Oh, oh, I so much. No, I ain't got time. I want to. No, I'm going to tell you about it. Take too long. Okay. I'll tell you about it. You get that and let me preach again soon. Okay? Okay. But I have so many experiences where people, it dawns on them what responsibilities they have and what a privilege it is to work. Listen, you ought to work at what you are given and chosen to do, whether it was whether it is a pagan environment or whatever it might be, you ought to do that with all of your might until things change and God changes his mind. I want to tell you, yes, why in the world was, uh, was uh, Daniel in Babylon in the first place? Uh, somebody's going to speak up and say, well, he's there because he was taken captive and taken. Yeah, that's right. But I tell you, the real reason was that God had him just exactly where he wanted him. Sometimes God has got you where you are so he can use you to touch the lives and improve the lives of others right where you are. The the three uh, asbestos Jews, I call them, they won't be and burn, you know. uh, uh, they, They were in the fiery furnace. They were in there rejoicing, even in an undesirable place. And God got glory from it. And they got protection from it. You think they wanted to be in the fire furnace? You think they, Daniel wanted to be in Babylon? He was in Babylon because uh, that was, uh, God allowed it to happen. And he was there uh, for God's, God's glory. Let me pull you down to the uh, bottom line on this. Every one of us are ministers. Every one of us are ministers. Uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, well, I'm sure we'd like to work at the church where there's no problem and there's no, there's no cussing and there's no uh, pornography and there's none of that stuff. And I sure would like to work in an environment like that. Well, I understand. I understand. But I want to tell you something. You would be, you have no lesser responsibility to live for Christ in the workplace than you have in the church, in a church office or a Christian environment. We ought to make the life around us different because Jesus is within our heart and our lives. The Bible tells us that we are ministers, and no matter what our job description in our workplace is, well, you say, well, I'm just a victim of circumstance. My people, Daniel was a victim of circumstance. So while I work in such a pagan place, Daniel worked in such a a pagan place. Daniel was a victim of circumstances too. And and let me ask you, what was was Daniel doing in Babylon? 
He was there because God had assigned him that lot. Here's Daniel in a pagan workplace, surrounded by pagan people, and 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 uh, in in under the leadership of a pagan king, but he was exactly where God uh, intended to be. How do I know that? Jeremiah said, I have carried you into exile. I have carried you from Jerusalem to Babylon. And he was in exactly the the place God would have him to be. You are. You are in exactly the place where God wants you and he will use you. If you're in a secular workplace working next to a pagan, then see that God-given opportunity of influencing others is influencing them for good. The church needs to be the church outside the church and in the workplace, the redeemed speak. Heavenly Father, thank you for these moments together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessed privilege of speaking to people who can make a difference in a lost and dying world. Thank you, Lord, for their open ears and open hearts. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as they arise on Tuesday morning to return to the workplace, they try with all their might to outlive what you've already wrought within their lives, your holy presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. We invite you to visit our campus at 3794 Hamilton Road in LaGrange, Georgia. Or visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.